Now it's time for Inspirational Women. And my guest, Kim Schooler, a financial industry executive and women's financial literacy advocate. Kim is passionate about her work, and I believe we will feel empowered, regardless of our circumstances, to do something constructive about the financial aspects of our life. Kim Schooler, good morning. It is so wonderful to welcome you here this morning. Thank you, Kate. It's wonderful to be here. I have the utmost respect for you and your profession, and I am so therefore grateful that you're here to help us to not only just learn about finances and and money and get literate about it, but to tie this into something that is really such a huge issue in our society, that is domestic violence. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but we tie these two together and then it becomes like this really horrible, horrible situation. So uh, you are here to help us to really bring a spotlight to it and help women understand and find uh, their more sure footing, find a way out. Well, you know, this is such an important topic and I so appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners about it today. You know, Kate, one in four women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime. And an estimated 99% of domestic violence victims are also victims of financial abuse. And women and some men may also be subject to financial abuse outside of a violent abusive situation. And hopefully our talk today will help them come up with strategies to get out of that situation or to improve their situation. Because the majority of victims of domestic violence report that they stay or go back to abusive situations because of the financial obstacles their abuser has put in place or because they are completely financially dependent on their abuser. And that just feels like such a a catch-22 in a way to be in an abusive situation because of emotional or physical abuse. But then the financial component of it just probably makes, in most cases, a woman, but it can be a man, feel like they just can't see daylight at all. Exactly. You know, abusers you know, use financial control and isolation and intimidation to keep their victims trapped. And it's almost as bad as if the victims were locked behind a door. So here's the challenge. I would think at this time, when we still are dealing with this pandemic, uh, we hear about domestic violence incidents actions happening, perhaps even more so, and having less opportunity to get out and do things. What is your feeling about that, Kim? Well, you know, you really hit the nail on the head there. Um, Unfortunately, there are so many unfortunate things that have come with this pandemic. But, you know, one of the things is, you know, the abusers and their victims are together more And so we're seeing victims or people who were not yet victims, we're just seeing an increase in domestic violence around the country. 
um, because they're in the same space, because there's a whole lot more pressure on people, um, especially in, economically in these times, and especially on women and couples if they have no access to child care. So this is a real pressure cooker situation that um, makes it much, brings out um, a whole lot more abuse. And yet in the midst of this, it's so important to bring some words of wisdom, some hope, some education. And that's why with your expertise in the financial field, I'm really glad that you're here, that we can really direct our listeners to places where they can become more informed and know what they need to do. Well, exactly. You know, most victims are not financially literate. They not only lack the knowledge about finances, but they lack access to their finances because they are in an abusive situation. And so what we can do, we can, you know, kind of make the red flags clear because financial abuse is really insidious. It can start off with the abuser offering to do something that is under the disguise of generosity and kindness offering to take care of the bills or to take care of the money or, you know, the abuser asks you for a little loan, some kind of help. And it starts off small and grows incrementally to the point where the abuser has complete control over your financial situation. And so I just want to um, maybe kind of highlight some of the red flags that women and some men should be on the lookout for in terms of a financial abuse. So there are three basic types of financial abuse. The first one is financial control. Is your abuser or potential abuser denying or limiting your access to money or maybe your information about the household money? Is the abuser hiding assets? or demanding a detailed accounting of how you're spending money? Is your abuser criticizing your financial decisions and actually belittling you for the financial decisions you make? Is your abuser withholding or threatening to withhold money completely from you? Is your abuser making financial decisions without considering you at all? And if any of those things are happening, even if it's a small thing, you need to get on that now. These are red flags. Now, the second type of financial abuse is what we call employment or education sabotage. This is where the abuser forces the victim to miss or be late or even to quit her job or her academic pursuits. The abuser harasses the victim at work or at school, oftentimes to the point where the victim does have to quit the job or the victim is fired from the job. Does, the, does your abuser belittle your work or school accomplishments, try and make you feel very insignificant? Does your abuser physically injure you to prevent you 
from going to work at school or school. It is so many women in particular, and I don't want to discount the fact that men are also subject to financial abuse and domestic violence, but the majority of victims are women. That women are able to go out and earn a living or improve their situation through education because of the horribly abusive situation they're in. Now, the third type of financial abuse is economic exploitation. And in this kind of abuse, the abuser is draining the bank account. The abuser is diverting income, failing to pay the bills that are in your name or building up debt under your name, taking a lot of loans under your name so that the abuser effectively ruins your credit score. So not only do you not have access to money through your abuser, your household income, but you have no access to income from third-party resources because your credit score has been absolutely devastated. And you don't have the ability, because the abuser has kept you from work or kept you from uh, school, to improve your financial situation. So these are the three ways that abusers trap their victims. And again, financial abuse does not have to be coupled with domestic violence. And financial abuse starts out very small and grows incrementally. And if you're attuned to the red flags, you can put a stop to it, talk it through, and you can make an informed decision about whether to stay in the relationship and work on it or whether to leave the relationship and, um, you know, uh, get away from that situation before it gets much worse. If you let it get much worse, it's still okay. You can always leave, but it's harder because every part of escaping an abusive situation involves money from putting gas in the car or getting a bus ticket or a plane ticket or, you know, finding an apartment, um, you know, finding a place to live, getting food for you. And if you've got children, um, getting food for them. And so if you can identify the red flags earlier in the relationship, the more choices you have. And so I, I can't stress enough, Kate, how important it is to understand what those red flags are and recognize them, but not only in in your own relationships, but look at the relationships of your girlfriend and family members. Do you see the same kinds of things happening? Can you talk to your family member or friend and help them see that this is what's happening? Because it is a huge problem. So, you know, Kate, in addition to looking at the red flags, there are other things that we can do to help our own situation or help our loved ones. But before I go on, I just wanted to check in with you to see if you had any questions or comments about just the types of uh, financial abuse out there. Well, I just do want to comment that this is so such critical information and that it 
as I listen to you, Kim, I hear how it just feels like a slippery slope. And not that we ever want to be, you know, really um, suspicious entering into a relationship. I think it's just about having antenna up and just be aware of, of signs and nip this in the bud. But on the other hand, if a woman, primarily it's going to be women, we were saying, finds herself already years into a relationship and there are children involved, there are still ways, right, that she can find a way out and help herself. Absolutely. Um, you know, it takes the the woman or the a victim in the relationship to become the survivor and then the driver. So many victims are just trying to get through the day. They're thinking about it day to day. So the idea of planning for the future for themselves or their family is just kind of beyond the scope of what they're able to handle uh, because it's just about getting through the day. But if they, um, you know, have a helping hand, if they learn how money works, if they just get a little bit of education, a little bit of support, a little bit of access to resources every day, we can help them break free of that situation. Now, it's going to be starting over for these people who have been in the relationship to the point where they've lost all you know, financial access. It's starting over. But you know, what's scarier, the thought of staying in a terribly abusive relationship or the thought of starting over and having the opportunity to build something for yourself and if you've got children for your family. Um, there are two scary alternatives, and the woman's got to make the choice. But there are absolutely resources and things that she and the people who care about her can do to help her if she decides to start over um, and build a life for herself and her children. So it, it occurs to me to establish that it seems from seeing on your website that the majority of people are basically financially illiterate. So there should be no feeling of shame like I need to learn about this because basically you're in good company in that regard. Exactly. That is a great point, Kate. You know, most people are not financially literate. And um, most of that is women. And for women, we're, we think we're not smart enough. We're not good enough. We're not educated enough. We're not something enough. And so, so many women don't raise their hand and ask the questions and, you know, do the things that they need to, to learn how money works because our confidence has been broken at many different points in our life by, you know, what family tells us, what an abusive spouse might tell us, what society tells us about whether women can handle this. But we can. We can handle anything, and we are the educators of the next generation. So women learning how money works is more important than any other group on the planet, whether you're in a great relationship or in no relationship or you're in a horrible relationship, you need to learn how money works 
because it's the number one way that you will improve your situation. You know, we've got, a, there are a couple of things that I kind of say a lot to women. And the first one is a man is not a plan. But the second thing I say to women is money is not everything, but the lack of money is everything. Because if you don't have money, then that amount of stress weighs on you in good relationships or bad. It affects everything in your life. Having money, money is not everything. And I'm just, you know, I don't want anybody to think that it's good to be greedy or hoard money or any of that. What I'm saying is you should learn how money works and try and improve, work to improve your situation financially so that money is not a stress. Money is not a reason you stay in a bad relationship. It's not a reason you can't do the things for your kids that you want to do. It's not a reason you can't do the things for yourself that you want to do. And so let's get smarter about money. And when it comes to relationships, let's recognize the red flags. Perfect. And you can actually, uh, at this point, we should maybe mention uh, websites where women, anyone of us, can uh, get information and teach ourselves or learn something at least. Exactly. So I have two websites. The website that has to do with financial education is called HowMoneyWorks.com. And then slash my name. And my name is spelled K-I-M-S-C-O-U-L-L-E-R, Kim Schooler. So it's howmoneyworks.com slash Kim Schooler. My other website talks more about encouraging women and men to consider financial services as a career. I'll just say, you know, right now women only represent about 16% of the financial professionals out there. But we make most of the financial decisions. We end up living longer. We end up, at the end, inheriting from our parents and our spouses. And so we end up holding most of the assets. And so we really need to not only learn how money works, but we need to seriously consider being financial professionals. So that website is WealthWave, W-E-A-L-T-H, W-A-V-E dot com slash my name again, K-I-M-S-C-O-U-L-L-E-R. And one other thing that I'll, I'll mention, Kate, is, you know, I've, my business partners and I um, uh, provide a book called How Money Works, Stop Being a Sucker. And if you would like a complimentary copy of that book, you can send me an email at kims.schooler, K-I-M dot S-C-O-U-L-L-E-R at wealthwave.com. Or you can buy it on Amazon. And again, the name of the book is How Money Works, Stop Being a Sucker. Wow, that's Again, further important information. And it occurs to me as you talk about our need, the great need 
for women in particular, but all of us to have financial literacy. I was thinking, Kim, you as a woman in this profession, how did you get here? Had Were you always interested in how money does work or what prompted you? So, you know, I've been very fortunate because I had parents who did, you know, kind of give me and my sisters the lessons of me as we grew up. I'm actually, by trade, a lawyer, and I've been a lawyer for more than 30, and a great portion of that time I spent as counsel and in-house for one of the largest services companies in the world. And I, in that, uh, in that role, I helped with mergers and acquisitions for the company and ended up serving as the president of one of the largest financial services companies in the United States. And it was really interesting when I achieved that position because I looked around and I was like the only woman in the room. And um, there were so many women um, who were looking for female role models in financial services. And I was just doing my job. As you know, Kate, most women do. We put our heads down and we get the work done. And then we look up and we're like, oh, heck, we're the only woman in her room. And I really took that seriously um, as a responsibility to really reach out to women and to help women uh, become more financially literate, to consider careers that are going to pay them more money so they can take control over their time. I ended up leaving the corporate side and started starting my own law practice and my own financial business because I became a single mom and I needed to take control over my time. That was, you know, being a mom was the most important thing to me and still is. And my son at the time was just eight or nine and, and he just turned 24 and he's graduating from college and he's still the light of my life. And because I was there, you know, for him, uh, you know, during his uh, school years, I'm the first person he calls when he has a great day and I'm the first person he calls when he has a bad day. And it doesn't matter what other things I've got on my resume, but that's the relationship I have with my son is the thing I'm the most proud of. That is beautiful. And I, I appreciate your sharing all that you did in, in terms of your life, Kim, because I think it helps us to to relate with you, you know, in in whatever way. There are many different points along this path. But, you know, hearing your story helps us to really, uh, I think, build a connection with you. And it just really adds more substance. So thank you for for sharing that. And, you know, because I we're talking about such critical life and death matters, literally here, when we talk about primarily women, when we're talking about abusive relationships, abuse in terms of the finances, and showing that there is a way out. And that's one of the key things here is you're recommending, too, uh, having a personal safety plan in place. That's exactly right. So, you know, look for the red flag, um, learn how money works, 
and then put your own personal safety plan in place. Now, this is going to involve a few things that, uh, you know, you're going to have to look at the possibility of setting up a bank account that your abuser is not aware of. You're going to have to find a safe place to put those documents or an email or, you know, find a trusted friend or a trusted location where you can keep these items. You're also going to need to try and fix the situation with credit. If you've got a bunch of their name uh, because of the situation with your abuser, get on the phone with your lenders, explain the situation, try and work out a plan, but at a minimum, cut your abuser off from the ability to create any more debt under your name. If you're not yet there with the debt or credit score, try and start your own credit card that you keep away from your uh, abuser so that when you do escape the relationship, you've got access to credit that you know you can use in an emergency situation. Some other things that you can do is take photographs of the assets in your home. Take photographs of the assets in a business. If it's, you know, taking uh, photographs of uh, screenshots or bank statements or things like that, take all of that information and keep it in a safe place. Look at what resources are available to you in your community. There are a lot of fantastic resources for victims slash survivors of um, domestic violence to help them you know, hide themselves and their children and to get into a safe place so you can not only survive but thrive. And, you know, just know that you've got it inside of you. You're going to have those doubts that creep into your mind. You're going to have those, you know, your abuser yelling at you. You're going to be scared. But the steps you take Take with confidence and strength and hope because you can get out of this situation and you can do things yourself and you can access resources in your community and in your loved ones that will help keep you safe. And I guess there is that piece of of trust that needs to keep being kindled so you reach out to people and be honest about your situation asking for help. Exactly. You know, you mentioned earlier, Kate, about people who feel embarrassed or ashamed because they don't know about money. Women and some men who are in abusive situations also carry that shame with them and embarrassment. And I think it's a really important reason why October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. We should all be talking about this. We should all be aware. We should all be looking at red flags. Women who are in these situations should not bear the burden of shame on top of everything else they're going through. Women who have come through abusive situations are some of my heroes. I mean, just the amazing strength of character, strength of being that they have to get through the day-to-day and take care of their children and themselves. It's something that we should all 
admire and do everything we can to help them feel safe and know that they are loved and respected. Oh, that is another extremely beautiful comment is to really look at this that resilience that can surface from all the abuse that you know there is some strength that helps a person a woman live through that use that strength to move on forward yeah yes well kim schooler you are so amazing. I so respect what you're doing, and I am just so grateful that you have this desire to share with us, to inform us and educate us, uh, because the majority of us, even uh, if we don't find ourselves in a challenging relationship, we do all need this kind of knowledge and information going to live our life well. So thank you so greatly for your passion and for this work. Well, thanks for having me on your show, Kate. I've truly enjoyed this conversation. And I, you know, I listen to your other podcasts and I love them. (laughs) Well, you're so kind. I appreciate that. And this is being added to them. So volumes of being able to inform and inspire ourselves, right? Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much again, and have a most wonderful day. Thanks, Kate. You too. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Kim Schooler and Sunday Morning Magazine with Amber Lindemood and Terry Lott from Hand in Hand Kids. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I'll get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and look then for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of being a source of good and of change in the world. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.